his friends. Let me get my... Welcome to the Anxious Voyage. If you think that title sounds bleak or foreboding, one of two things must be true. You're very lucky or you need to get out more. On this program, we share stories of life and living. We compare notes. We discover commonalities. We accept that life is a glorious, heartbreaking thing, and we embrace and celebrate all of it. Take the ride with us. We're glad you're here. Now, here's your host, Mark O'Brien. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here today with this cast of thousands. Uh, I will introduce my guests in just a moment, but I want to say, as always, uh, we are coming to you today from uh, World Headquarters in Middletown, Connecticut, which I found out as a result of this just published study uh, by the Middletown Archaeological Research Coalition that Middletown is the actual home of the Flintstones. Who, <laughs> who, 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 who knew? Oh, okay. So I will introduce my guests, and then I will introduce the topic and reason for this program in alphabetical order. Mark Brown is a certified speaking professional and executive presentation expert coach. Here comes my favorite part. Most important, he's been Andrea's husband for more than 40 years. Bless you, my friend. Thank you, Mark. The other Mark, the better Mark. Good to see you. Uh, to I'm, I'll debate you on the better part. <laughs> Deb Coviello is an author, speaker, podcast host, and silver medalist curler. We should have a show about that sometime. Who coaches C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence and optimize the performance of people, processes, and systems. Kimberly Davis is an author, TEDx speaker, founder of the Brave Leadership University, and author of the book, Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident authentic, and powerful self to get the results you need. Last but not least, Rabbi Jonasen Goldson has spent 40 years applying ancient wisdom to the challenges of the modern world to raise ethical awareness, promote constructive disagreement, and contribute to a more civil, thoughtful, and respectful society. By way of teeing up this episode, I will also say that Jonasen is the host of a podcast called Grappling with the Gray, um, which you can see most Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time on LinkedIn Live. Um, all of the folks who joined me here today were on episode number 75 of that podcast, in which the nominal topic was the dismissal of the president of the University of Pennsylvania and Harvard. In the course of that conversation, toward the end of it, Kimberly Davis said this, there's an opportunity to create an open, healthy dialogue that is anchored in humanity, in making humanity better. And we're sidetracked from the bigger conversations by politics. We've lost an opportunity to have an open dialogue about what's really happening in the world and how we can all participate in making it a better place. Instead, we rush to condemn and judge and punish if we could agree on the unifying boundaries Jonasen mentioned, we could have freedom of speech and keep a healthy civil dialogue. We've lost our way on that. These should be the conversations we have once we get through this wave of challenge. Kimberly, um, 
Thank you for that inspiration. That's why we're all here today. Uh, as we begin, is there anything else you would like to add to that? Uh, you know, it was really interesting, Mark, when you reached out to me to have this conversation, as you know, and the rest of you, I don't know the, the rest of the three of you don't really know. I was very reticent to have a continuing conversation um, because he couched it in, in the frame cancel culture. And I think the term cancel culture has become weaponized so much that I was, um, I, I didn't know that I wanted to participate in that conversation. And so Mark being Mark um, is, the, is gracious and as curious as he always is, um, engaged in a conversation with me around it. And, and, and I, um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, if I was able to reframe it in my head, um, well, we'll see. <laughs> but for, for this moment in time, I was able to reframe it in my head where I am. I, I think I'm ready to engage in a conversation around this in a more public format. But before I was, um, it's not someplace I wanted to go in a, in, in a public, in a public way. Okay. All, all I can say aside from thank you again for, for agreeing to come Kimberly is that it seems to me that what you suggested in what I just read was universally true and necessary and you did use the word politics, but I think we could define politics in that context in any way at all. And I don't think it matters. Um, so uh, given the fact that I would like this conversation to be as free-flowing as possible, and don't want to pick on anybody, but I will if I have to, um, as, as Jonasen loves to say, the floor is open. So I'm going to jump in because I like to <laughs> speak up and I just want to um, echo what Kimberly was saying. I also as a podcast host sometimes play it safe when I bring on guests and I have particular topics because of fear, because of not knowing what might happen sometimes. And while this topic that we had the opportunity to speak about anti-Semitism and the reaction to that of the public and individuals could be any other thing for which we profile a particular demographic and put them in a box because any one of us at any time in society could have been the recipient of ill speak or persecution or disadvantaged or what have you because society humanity needs to put people in a box and be able to point fingers at different things it's a risky thing on the other hand i was so grateful that we opened up the conversation it was healthy we did share our viewpoints and i'm very much looking forward to us being able to explore this we we should not fear as much having healthy dialogue that's what humanity is about <laughs> um I, I just want to say um Thank you for that, Deb. I, I I may be tempted often to think of it in terms of polarization, meaning one side or the other, black, white, yeah. no, no middle ground. But I love what you just said about um, what seems to be uh, an increasing tendency to put people in boxes. And we seem to, to, to be slicing our differences ever more finely for the sake of differing, in, in the interest of differing, maybe because we're fearful of someone else's opinion, maybe because we're, uh, I don't know, desperate, anxious or something to prove ourselves right. Um, 
I don't know. By the same token, I really don't know what to do about it. Jonasen, Mark? Actually, I'd like to, to pick up on <clears throat> what you just said there, because I think it's actually worse than that. Um, it's not just that we're putting other people in boxes, we're putting ourselves in boxes. Mm. And, and after we recorded the episode, um, it was reported that, um, I'm sorry, what's her name? Claudine Gay? Um, yeah. That she, she was actually forced to resign, not because of her comments, but because of, of allegations of, um, of um, plagiarism. And, and her public response was that it was it was racially motivated. Mm -hmm. and, and that I find very disturbing, perhaps more disturbing than what started this conversation. You know, there I've mentioned this before in a number of forms that there are Jews who see anti-Semitism everywhere. And, and I was actually a little bit reluctant to pick this topic in the first place because I don't want my program to be exclusively about Jewish racism or Jewish issues. I wanted it to be universal, but I thought it was contemporary and it was relevant and it was and it crossed those those boundaries. Um, but when we start deflecting responsibility by using our own identity, then we're, we're putting ourselves in those boxes. And, and we're encouraging other people to put us in boxes. And that's driving much of the polarization uh, and much of, I think, the abdication of responsibility. Because if it's all about race and it's all about religion and it's all about identity, then we've just created a whole society of victims. Uh, and we're never going to move forward uh, with that kind of a mindset. Mark, um, I'm not reading your mind, but I see you smiling. Well, Jonathan brought with uh, brought to the table today the wisdom of the ages. I trust that does not indicate how old he is, or he's, if he's aged. <laughs> but, you, but he did he did highlight the word identity, identified, and sadly, the words I identify as seem to have overtaken the way we think, the way we speak. In other words, while I might. I, I acknowledge I am Jamaican by birth, a black man in America. But do I say I'm a black man before I'm a man? Do I say I'm a Christian man before I'm a man? Do I say I belong to that community first? Well, I am from this and I'm from that place. And I believe whether we choose to or not, those identifiers help define who we are in our own minds. And as a good rabbi has said, can cause us to put ourselves in a box where we see the other, and that particular group becomes those blank. You see these blank, those Republicans, those Democrats, those Independents, those Green Partiers, those Blacks, those Whites, those Jews, those African-Americans, those Polish, those, and the list goes on. And it may cause a shift in our conversation because initially we talked about does one apologize and how does one apologize for that? But it has brought to light the fact that we probably are a lot more polarized than we care to, care to admit. And it causes me a bit of concern in terms of holding up the mirror to myself. How do I see myself? How do I see others? And do I look at them through a particular lens first? Do I see Rabbi Jonathan or do I see my friend and brother, Jonathan Golson? This might be disturbing 
but I feel very compelled to share this. I'm in my 60s, and my father, in the 1960s, early 70s, was trying to teach me about idea of racism and how people look at each other. We're in Jamaica, and he told me the story of seeing a film that was made in 1955. It was called Bright Victory, and I forget who the stars were. I looked for this film for years. I finally found it last week. And there was one scene that my father told me about that I never forgot. And I found that scene literally last week. Black and white film, context, soldiers wounded in war end up in a military hospital for the blind. And Joe and Frank become friends and they learn to walk and navigate with a cane. They're in the pool, they horse around, they have a good time, they go out together and they learn to navigate life in this world of no sight. One point, they go out for the evening, have drinks. They're on the way back to the ward. And someone says, hey, we got a new guy coming in here. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an African-American guy. He's black. And then Mike says, what? I didn't know they had any words in this ward. Oh. My dad said the place fell silent. Did you, that, did you know that, Joe? The place fell silent in the movie theater in Jamaica. Because Joe's African-American. Mike did not see him physically with his eyes. He had built a bond with a man who was in a similar position, who became a friend, and he couldn't see the, 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 the identifier of skin color. And maybe I'm a dreamer, but I've spent several years talking with kids in schools, and I often say, I wish there were times we were physically blind and not see the differences, but see with the hearts that we have to come to acknowledge those who are different and find that common ground that we all should share. We're fighting for our lives in humanity. We're fighting for our lives in this country. And we make more battles and we find offense very easily, as a good rabbi has said, when if we would take time to seek to understand, to try to understand first, and to give people a chance to understand us, perhaps a level of discomfort that Kimberly has felt would dissipate. And we might begin to crack this nut that is so difficult for all of us to navigate right now. Those are my initial thoughts. And, and that suggests to me, Mark, another thing I probably never would have thought of were it not for this conversation. When you were talking about polarization, one, one of the very first things that went through my mind is, okay, given the way we, we identify, we could argue that polarization to some degree is a choice. But, but then I think about things that are simply true. Two examples thanks to this conversation, racism and anti-Semitism. So, um, you know, the idea that you might identify as a black man under those circumstances is rational and logical. And the idea that Yonason will identify as a Jew, as a Jew, is equally rational and logical. So it seems to me, you two may have something less of a choice I was in a conversation once with, I don't know, 20 or 30 other people on a Zoom call. And one gentleman in particular, whom I happen to know, said something that that just ticked me off. And my first temptation was to say something. But my next realization was, I really ought to ask myself why I was ticked off. Because I knew the gentleman who had said what he said, and I knew... There was no way in the world he would say something to deliberately tick me off. Mm. So the reason had to be with with me. Um, 
so I, you know, there's a line there. There's a balancing act to be done, and part of the challenge, of course, is to 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 try to engage in rational discourse with people who aren't willing to share that desire. And and then what? You know, I'd love to jump jump in here and just contribute Please. a little bit because, again, <clears throat> it's a mindset. And Mark, thank you for. Uh, continuing this conversation because I think what we need to do is alter our mindset. Now, I will put it out there. I look like I'm female and I am 58. I could claim discrimination and ageism because I was let go from my last role. And yes, there was a pity party. However, I look at it through the lens of, oh my God, look at this opportunity in front of me. I have an opportunity to explore the world and reinvent myself and seek to understand what it's like to be a business owner, a woman-owned business owner. What do I need to do to do sales and marketing? Just flipping the narrative of when we come into conversation where people have different perspective, seeking to understand, asking people why they think that way is so important. I even remember having a conversation with my children and they said, Mom, and they said, Mom, why do you listen to that news outlet? It is so conservative and right wing. I'm putting it out there. I'm a Republican in nature. And then my my children said to me, You should be listening to this and you should be listening to this to get an alternate view of the world. Now, kudos to my children for managing up and giving me the feedback. There is promise in this world that the younger generation <laughs> has perspective. And we as an older perspective, not ageism or <laughs> over the hill or what have you, need to listen to the voices. These voices need to be heard. They want to be respected. We can learn, but it's all about starting to seek to understand one's perspective. And we may or may not like it. But again, it's about continuing the humanity of conversation. Without it, we cannot evolve. And I'm afraid if we shut down conversation, humanity is going to implode like a dark star rather than grow and evolve the conversation to maybe something that's better. Well, and I think the key is, is how do we continue to cultivate intellectual curiosity about one another uh, and about the different issues that we're facing as in the world? I mean, as my friend Mike likes to say, we're all in this soup together, right? This, this globe, we all share this globe and we're all in the soup together. Um, so we have to find a way to play nice in the sandbox, even though we we struggle to do so. I, it, what we are is we let you know to to simplify our understanding. We put things in boxes. That's natural human behavior. But we are all so much bigger than any box can contain. There's so much more complexity than any box can contain, and that's true of of issues as well, right? It, it and I think that's where I was really struggling with Yonason's conversation. Can you not say? And this is where the whole. Mark's Mark Brown's term of cancel culture was coming up. Um, can you can you not say at the same time hold two divergent um, ideas where there's tension in these ideas? Because that's where that's that's the struggle we we are facing as human beings is there is tension in almost every different idea because there is no black and white in the world. There's no right or wrong. So can you say it is? Uh, is absolutely deplorable what happened on October 7th that that is that you you condemn that without any question and at the same time have empathy for what the Palestinian people are going through and look at the history can those two divergent things not live 
together. And that's where cancel culture comes in because we're saying, no, they cannot. You have to take a side. You cannot be, you cannot, you cannot have empathy for one side and agree with another side that you have to, you have, and, and I find that is where we are failing as a human race because nothing fits in a box. Everything has context and history. And we are all way more complicated than just a simple, this is who I am and this is what I do and this is where I live and this is the color of my skin and this is what I believe. Because it is not that simple. And yes, we are trying to understand a, an immense amount of complex information at one time, but we are stuck in our echo chambers with the advent of social media. All we hear is our same opinions. And if we do not cultivate intellectual curiosity and a hunger to understand understand the complexity beyond our simple boxes, we are really going to be in trouble. Um, I really, especially on that passionate note, Kimberly, um, I don't want to break here, but we need to. We're going to take our first, first commercial break right here. We'll be back in three minutes. Keep it where it is. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told, and the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life from any circumstances a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. Have a guest, mention a sponsor, and take callers. Or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. You can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why, since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brand's distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG's advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. 
Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Kimberly, g- given what you were saying when we went to break, um, I, I just want to share that um, tension and conflict are necessary for progress. W- without them, we don't go anywhere because we don't perceive a need to. Um, and I will just share this uh, without naming names. I was in a conversation um, with a gentleman just last week um, that started with his saying to me, Based on what I see you've been writing in various places, you must be a Republican. And I said, no, I'm not. And I'll return the favor by not accusing you of being a Democrat. And we went on to have the most wonderful conversation because, I'm going to use another one of your phrases, we each shared intellectual curiosity. And if that curiosity is not shared, then what? Thoughts on that? I have one thought, um, and it's this. Not everyone engages in that level of curiosity. Unfortunately, too many of us find ourselves so ensconced in our belief system, we are unwilling to take the blinders off and see what lies outside. In a perfect world, yes, we would all at least be, to some degree, intellectually curious. But many of us have held fast to a position, I'll be that till I die, and nothing shall change me or dissuade me. Hopefully, though, discourse, reason, grace, a willingness to show ourselves as listeners first may give the other individuals with whom we communicate at least room to say, well, if they're willing to listen to me, if they're that willing, perhaps... I can be willing to, I can listen to them and maybe, maybe I'll learn something. But as individuals, we have to make a choice. Will I be open to someone who's different, a different perspective, a different point of view, a different belief system, a different political perspective? And maybe, maybe we can at least begin to bridge that gap. My initial thoughts. In in a book called um, Language as Symbolic Action, Kenneth Burke writes, um, ideology is like a spirit that takes up its abode in a body. And it makes that body hop around in certain ways. Had a different spirit happened to inhabit that body, it would have hopped around in different ways. I I wonder what we as a group think about the fact that maybe one of the most constructive things we can do is to ask ourselves if we are, I don't know, clinging to some ideological position and and start from there. And I'll tell you this one quick example. The topic is irrelevant. I ended up in an email exchange with a gentleman once and I shared that quote with him. And his response was, 
yeah, but I don't have an ideology. And <laughs> right, that conversation's done, right? If you can't even concede that, where do you go? Mm -hmm. you Carl Jung said that uh, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. Mm -hmm. and, oh. and that's actually being borne out. Um, I've, I've, I've heard that our personality types have a significant influence on our on the way we look at the world. So people who tend to be more um, open tend to be more liberal. People who rank higher for conscientiousness tend to be more conservative. Hmm. Then add to that our environments, our parents, our schools, our teachers, our friends. And by the time we're adults, we think we have developed our own way of looking at the world. <laughs> But really, so much of it has been shaped by external factors or non-conscious factors. And, and that's why, you know, in, in my ethics acronym, I is inquisitiveness. Uh, I can't use it for curiosity because I need to see for courage. And those two go hand in hand. It can be scary to expose ourselves to ideas that threaten our worldview. It's a lot easier to simply dig in our feet, plant our flag, declare this is the way I see things. <clears throat> and now I have no obligation right. to look at things in a different right. way. No, no responsibility any longer. Cause I, now I've I've declared, been, I know I'm know. on the right side. Yeah, yeah. There's this fantastic article I read uh, only two days after your podcast, to be honest. And I was so sad that I, that I hadn't read this before your conversation, but there's a New York Times article by Stephen L. Carter, who's a law professor. Oh yeah. And uh, have you? Did you read that article? It was. No, but I've read a lot oh, of his work. He's a law professor at, at Yale. Yeah, yeah. And he writes about how critical it is that universities have the ability to to foster divergent thinking and conversations, and that that it's important to have to be able to allow. Um, students and professors to be able to chew on these really tough subjects. And one of the things I really love that he talked about is how we want to invite students, and I, I, I would extend this to all human beings, to try on different things. It, does this fit me? Does this fit me? Does this fit me? And I remember, you know, I moved from uh, Seattle to Dallas in about two, about 2006, very, very different cities, very different political climates, um, I I was very much right in my position on things when I moved to Dallas. Um, and by being right, I meant correct, not <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was a lone wolf in Dallas in the way I looked at the world having come from Seattle. And I remember um perhaps having a glass of wine too many and um, having neighbors over and we were having political discussions and I was very self-righteous in my beliefs and probably said some hurtful things. And the next morning I woke up and I had this kind of um, epiphany. And that was that the thing that up until that point in time that I had decided was correct was that the reason I did not at that time uh, agree with conservatives was because I believed that they were intolerant. 
And I, you know, uh, how could, and, and this is where it goes back to what you're saying about openness, right? So I believe they were intolerant and that's wrong and we should all be tolerant. And then I stepped back from it. I went, wait a second, how am I any different right now? I was being completely intolerant of this intolerance, right? And I think it was the first time in my life, and that was, you know, quite quite some time ago, the first time in my life, I had this wake-up call that went, wait a second, I am no different, and I need to really examine the decisions I've made about other people because my decisions are likely in error because I have... I I wasn't seeing myself. You get to you can't see the forest for the trees. I wasn't seeing myself in the conversation. Let me just make a little uh, commercial that uh, I quote Stephen Carter often, and he, he two of his books in particular, one's titled Integrity, yeah, one's titled Civility, yeah. Um, mm. They should both be on everyone's. His is, his stuff is amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Deb, you me. know, and I'm going to come back to the thing that's. <clears throat> dividing us is the fact that we don't teach again talk to your point about civility and intellectual curiosity i think we should probably start making that a platform for which we join together the different cultures or backgrounds of people but i will say and, and I, this is a question i have back to the group we think about survival when all we we're seeking were shelter and protection and food and stuff like that cultures or communities self-preserve each other by staying close and everything outside of that is bad I remember even my parents telling me you need to stay in your lane with your with your your religion and with your your kind because people will persecute you you are different they are different and so even within communities the irish the italian you everybody migrated and stayed within their community as a matter of survival so it is human nature to also want to stay in our lane so how then do we when in terms of survival encourage people to go outside the perimeter and seek to understand because maybe you can make fire but they can make rain and the combination <laughs> might help the collective survive yeah. it's human nature we're fighting against here I want, I want to... you can, uh, another book you can add to your list mark uh, it's called the big um gosh no it's bill bishop the big sort maybe um anyway he describes how we have um tribalized ourselves that that even though presidential elections are typically almost 50 50 um in population vote but when you go county by county many of them are landslides right we are sorting ourselves into enclaves ideological enclaves and the problem is exactly what you just articulated Deb, is that we we close ourselves off from recognizing there, you know, it's that famous quote. I don't know anybody who voted for Richard Nixon. Um, <laughs> we we have to, we need each other. Right. Different ideologies need each other to keep ourselves balanced and honest. Well, I I suspect that most people don't think that way about balance. And and Jonasin, if you happen to think of the name of that book and that author, if you would send it to me, uh, Anne is so beyond being worried about the size of my Amazon wish list. I'll just put it on there and it won't matter. Um, Kimberly, <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to reward your vulnerability by sharing this story with you. Um, I was at one point within the past six years or so, um, executive director for a literacy 
volunteers organization. Mm -hmm. So being sort of naturally right leaning, um, you know, the whole idea that a lot of the people that we were tutoring were likely in this country illegally started to bug me a little bit. But I came to the realization that every stereotype breaks down at the level of individual. That's right. Yes. And that once you get there, lugging those stereotypical things around becomes next to impossible. And that became so true that I was approached by another community organization in the same town where I was executive director. And a, a, a woman from that organization wanted to publicize some of the work of the students. And I said, absolutely not, because I won't expose them. I don't know what their circumstances are. I don't know the circumstances under which they came to this country. It is part of my responsibility to make sure they are protected and at the very least not exposed. If, if you had told me before I took that position that I would have done that, I would have said, what are you, nuts? Complete reversal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, um, so remember, this is the the girl that moved from Seattle to Dallas, and I ended up doing work for the Bush Institute. And, um, and um, I don't know that they knew I drove a red Prius, but, you know, they hired me anyway. And I had the privilege to um, to teach for and mentor for the, the Women's Initiative Fellowship uh, Program, which uh, worked with a, a group of of women, uh, female emerging leaders from the Middle East and North North Africa, um, I would say probably eighty to ninety percent of the women in that room were of Muslim background, and um, it was the first time I had known I'd ever met someone who was Muslim, and um, and then I got a, a, the great joy to be a mentor to two remarkable women. And what just struck me, it was, we're the same. Like the, the things that scare us are the same. The things that we, we hunger for are the same. The, thing, the things that we love are the same. We were the same. We were the, I mean, we were, we were the same. And I think that's what travel does, what, what, what intentionally meeting other people does is it, it, change, it forces you to take the blinders off and see the commonalities that we all share. And to Mark's point, Mark Brown's part, point earlier, is that if you know someone, and, and this echoes what you were saying too, Mark, if you know someone, you can't hate up close. Hate mm -hmm. is from mm -hmm. a distance. Agreed. It's it's um, it's depersonalizing and objectifying. Right, exactly. Um, at this point, I'm sorry, we need to take our second uh, commercial break. We'll be back for segment three in three minutes. See you then.
Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what-ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. You can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brand's distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG's advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told. And the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life from any circumstances a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi, uh, welcome back. Um, I was taking the time during the, the break to... Um, figure out what to do in this last segment. And, and I'll tell you why, because I usually have one guest and I can usually wait till the end. And then I can say, well, tell people who are tuned in today, how they can get a hold of you. <laughs> so what, what I would like to do, because each of you is arguably in a consulting practice. So what, what I would like to do is just to, to, to have you uh, each 
talk about what you do. And I'm going to imagine that your work probably touches on what we've been discussing here today already. So if if we could start, and, and we can do this in alphabetical order again, which means you're up, Mark. Um, please tell us a little bit about your work, where people can find you, and how this conversation, if it doesn't already, might might show up in your work. My work, I am a pro speaker. I also coach other speakers to speak, to speak professionally. In addition, I'm a presenter and have been for over 20 years at schools across North America, discussing relationships, anti-bullying, how kids can learn to relate with those who are different. Interesting thought. My website is markbrownspeaks.com. On LinkedIn, I am Mark L. Brown Speaker. I'm highly Googleable as well. But I believe a conversation like this will actually help me when I go to a school in Ohio next week to talk to kids specifically about relationships with a, with a strong anti-bullying focus with an ethnic concern that was brought to me by the, by the school principal. And it is a, a church-based school. <clears throat> so the concern I have, and I end with this, is that the issues we're discussing now are manifesting at the fifth, sixth, and seventh grade level of schools to this very day. I've been doing that since 1995. And hopefully I'll make a difference and help these kids understand. If we can understand each other and perhaps be blind for a while, we might find we have more in common than we know. And if we can stop that early enough, perhaps we can arrest what's happening now across society. Thank you. And I and I just want you to know that when people ask me about you, the first thing I say is, oh yeah, Mark Brown, he's highly Googleable. I, I think you. I think you've just coined the term. That's a line I use. I'm highly Googleable. <laughs> I like that a lot. Deb, can we can we learn a little more about you and your work, please? All right. Well, thank you again, Mark. And I am Deb Coviello, the drop-in CEO, which translates into a person that drops into businesses and often partners with the CEOs, presidents, founders, often during a time of crisis. And what I do is I do help them fix the technical issues in their business. But along the way, the brand also elevates the capability of the leader and the people in the organization. Because as soon as you change something or improve it or get it out of chaos, people need the skills to be able to sustain the new normal. So I often work in manufacturing and operations, particularly in the area of quality and operational excellence. But here's the thing. Here's what I find that is often missing is the fact that all of these things boil down to they're dealing with the symptoms. It's them. It's their problem. They're not doing their job. And what I find is that people fail to really look at the landscape. What are the conditions that existed that set the situation today? And what are the management and business practices that allowed the conditions to exist? And I often have to look at the owners and ask them, turn the finger on them and look at themselves. And what are they accountable? And what did they create in this situation versus this way? And once I have that awareness, <laughs> we're able to do some amazing work. So you can find me at dropinceo.com. That is my website, very active on LinkedIn, Deborah Coviello or the drop-in CEO. would love to talk to people before you get into a time of crisis <laughs> and understand what are the differences and maybe the similarities that we see, and then we can work from there. I was thinking earlier, Deb, in, in response to one of the things we were discussing, that, that given what you do, conflict resolution may even pertain to self-conflict. Oh and, yes. and you were talking yes. about, you know, people are, 
very often inclined to say, no, 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 it's them. They did this rather than examining themselves and whatever it is they might be conflicted about that's causing them to, to deflect. Yeah, they get more than just a business advisor. They get somebody that <laughs> helps their mindset and behavior because often it, the buck stops with them. So we got to yeah. spend a little bit more time there. Consultants don't often do that. They'll say, I can fix your business in five steps, five months. Here's my bill. I spend a little time working on the leader. Kimberly, um, I know your work is going to have, uh, your description of your work is going to have something to do with brave. Um, <laughs> you, you were brave enough to come on here today. Um, and I think there is there is bravery, there is courage involved in the intellectual curiosity that you talked about earlier and the tension that you talked about earlier. So please, please share with us what you do. Well, so it's, it might be confusing to some people about what what do I mean by brave? What I do is cultivate a purposeful purposeful, authentic, intentional leaders. That's what I, how I define bravery and champion constructive, responsible, mindful actions. That all of my work is really in that area. And it can show up, it shows up all of the different buckets it fits because as, as I talked about, I don't see things in terms of things fitting into boxes. I think what I do is, is, is bigger than fits in a single box. But if we were to put it into box boxes, it would be influence, leadership, um, uh, presentation skills, presence, all of that. But I look at it as, as it's all one conversation. It's around connecting. Are we connecting? Are we not? Because if you don't truly connect from an authentic, purposeful, uh, place, then people, leaders, people won't want to follow you. They won't want to listen. Um, and you won't have a relationship that can get the work done that needs to be done. So it's all around the same thing that shows up in, in workshops and, and both uh, live and virtual, virtual work. And the best way to reach me is um, braveleadershipuniversity.com. You can find more information about me than you ever wanted to know. <laughs> Thank you. That that reminds me that um, Anne, my wife and I had um, a friend and his wife for dinner on Saturday night. The gentleman has a um, PhD in aeronautical engineering, which makes my brain sweat. Um, but he does a lot of work in transformation. And he said to me, a person who is absolutely dedicated to transformation mm -hmm. cannot be from point A cannot be preoccupied with point Z. Right. And I heard that in what you were saying too. You you have yeah. to have that open-mindedness and the willingness or determination to accept what comes, accept what is revealed. I think of it as it is is our bravery uh, unfolds one situation at a time. So every situation we enter, we have a new opportunity to to show up powerfully, to connect powerfully, to be our true selves, to to uh, make an impact. And it's the impact that we make, whether it's positive or negative, that's going to lead to that next situation. And then we have an opportunity to revisit: Did I have the impact I wanted to make? Yes or no? And Jonasen, my friend. Um, the ethics ninja, please, please talk to us about what you do and how th th I know this conversation relates to what you do, but please tell us. Well, I work with leaders and professionals to build a culture of ethics that earns loyalty, sparks initiative, and limits liability. And I don't talk about religion, despite being a rabbi, uh, at least not overtly. 
but I do have 3,000 years of wisdom to draw in in my tradition. And, and all the secrets of the universe are there. And the relevance to the challenges of modern life are endless. So it's it's a passion to me. People people see me uh, uh, presenting on the stage or in front of people, and they, they, the comment I think I get the most often is, "You look so happy," because <laughs> I can wisdom see that. is wisdom is like a flame. The more you share it, the more there is for everyone. You give it away without giving it up, and that's why I'm passionate about conversations like these, because we have to have them. There's too much um, pontificating. Uh, there's too much ideological noise. And the willingness to look at others, look at ourselves, and have conversations that challenge us to stretch, to think. You know, people ask me about the the name Ethics Ninja. Isn't that, isn't that an oxymoron? And, and I say, not necessarily, because what are ninja? They 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 live in the, they live in the shadows they live in the gray areas, and and they and they engage in asymmetrical, moral combat. Um, Ooh, uh, we we want to use we want to use the arguments of others when you can when you know, the way Socrates did, you know he didn't he didn't tell anybody anything he just asked questions. That led them to places they didn't want to go. Now it didn't work out very well for Socrates in the end. But I was going to say, <laughs> it was a Yiddish proverb. Nobody ever asked dies from a question. Well, maybe there's one ex one exception to that. Um, but but the the willingness to to explore, um, to revise, to revisit, um, you know that that's where the the nobility of the human being emerges, and uh, that's what I think we need to be promoting as much as we can. And people can find you where and how? EthicsNinja.com is my website and uh, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I won't say I'm the only Yonason on LinkedIn, but um, if you type in my first name, you're likely to not find too many of us. Um, and could you please remind me, I only got part of it. What was your phrase? Asymmetrical moral what? Combat. Combat. Wow, I love that. Um, so... I'm I'm sure to varying degrees all of you know or at least suspect by now that I'm completely shameless. So when I steal that, Jonasen, I will give you a footnote, I promise. <laughs> um That's I uh, always attribute. Get 15 cents for royalties. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll see what I can cough up. Um I uh I can't thank all of you enough for being here today and for your willingness to accept my invitation. Um I have a friend, I, I think. Kimberly, at least you know him, Tom Dietzler. He loves to quote his father who says, every day is a good day. Some days are just better than others. Mm -hmm. um, every one of these programs is special, but some programs are more special than others. <clears throat> so thank you for this uh, very special program. I appreciate it. And I sincerely hope we might be able to do this again because I, I wrote in a promotional post on LinkedIn last week that I wasn't entirely sure We could solve all the problems in the world today, um, but we would at least take a constructive step. So maybe we can all come back and take another shot at it. But I thank you very much. Um, you. I will be back live for the rest of you um, two weeks from today, the 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I thank you for being here today, and I hope to see you on the 19th. Thank you all.
Blessings Thank all. You. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into The Anxious Voyage, the program dedicated to sharing stories, helping people, and celebrating life. You can see and listen to The Anxious Voyage on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you have a story to tell or if you know someone who does, please email the host, Mark O'Brien, at mark at O'BrienCG.com. In the meantime, please remember, the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.